0: Tonight, our guest is Mallory. She's a 911 professional from somewhere in America, and she was managing an emergency communications center when the unthinkable happened. The center was flooded with 911 calls of an active shooter in a very large public space. Not only did the center's team have to manage the onslaught of the initial calls, they had to remain hyper-focused on on the rescuing officer's actions and uh, coordinate the chaotic aftermath. Plus, your voicemails, and John is going to explain in a very campy way all about what he is now calling the Thanksgiving horse and carriage fire. Listen, whether you're a 911 dispatcher, someone who responds to these calls in, in the field, or a civilian who wants to peek behind a very heroic curtain, this is an episode for you. All that and what it means for your weekend tonight on the Com Center.
1: City council members have announced their plan to spam the Minneapolis Police Department. We're calling for defunding the police.
2: Shootings in New York City have more than doubled this year.
1: Wake up, America, and welcome to the Comm center with Drew Breezy. This is where we tell nine one one tales and talk cop response. I'm John. I'm an active nine one one dispatcher in the field. I've been doing this for about eight years. I was a correctional officer before that. Joining me as our host tonight, as always, is Lieutenant Andrew Baxter, also known as Drew Breezy, also known by his Instagram handle What Say Drew. We have Drew Breezy here tonight. He's a 29 plus year veteran of the Hillsborough County sheriff's office in florida finishing on his last day with the rank of detective one drew it seems like it's been forever but how are you man oh man i couldn't be better uh just uh getting some
0: getting used to things uh just kind of feeling um how do i put this just uh waiting in the waters and uh trying to get used to the temperature and uh feeling great feeling fine about it so um that's that's kind of it. I mean, I, I'm, I'm doing well, and I hope you are too, and I hope everybody else that's in the chats who uh, I see a bunch of people here. Uh, listen, we're live on Facebook. We're live on uh, the YouTube channel known as The Com Center. We're live on uh, Rumble on a channel uh, that's known as The Com Center. Rumble's very fickle when it comes to their... Uh, set up, they have like a, a main account and then a channel, they're a lot different than uh, YouTube, a little bit more free, though. I mean, you can speak your piece or speak your mind there without hesitation or worry. Uh, if you want to get a hold of us tonight, you can you can do so by calling 848 266 6911. That's 848 com 911, comm 911. That's done intentionally. Um, and we're going to bring Mallory out in a minute, she's uh, our guest tonight. In, um John is uh sacrificing because right now his uh beloved cowboys are playing, I think Seattle. Yeah. And uh we'll both uh, me. I mean my lightning are playing right now as well. So no one knows uh, what that team is, Drew. How was your Thanksgiving? <laughs> it was wonderful. It was filled with uh the all the trimmings and uh as they say. Uh, we had a nice uh, and hearty Florida sleigh ride, and uh, I, I, you know, uh, Uncle Stephen did the carving with an electric knife this year. And oh. by carving, I mean uh, most of his hand is uh, now no longer with us. But oh uh, my gosh, it's it's all right.
1: Uh, and, and, uh, do we have the 911 audio from that?
0: <laughs> we do not. We salvage most of the gravy, so uh, it, it's okay. There were what two are,
1: boats. What are what are the Baxter family traditions for Thanksgiving? Other than like, uh, you know, trying to avoid losing some digits in the turkey, like what do you guys normally do every year?
0: Uh, well, there's it's like a uh, decathlon. I mean, it involves skeet shooting and there's some archery. Uh, but th- we're we're waning. I mean, the the Baxters are waning. There's only three of us left, and two of them are in <laughs> Western New York, nowhere near here. Uh, which is you know i'm in florida and uh so i i spend most of my time with my wife's family this is a, a, a like a weird um thanksgiving for my wife's family because this is the first year without their patriarch we, we just lost Grandmare uh a couple of weeks ago she was a wonderful human being uh man i wish i had some pictures handy of Grandmère. uh she roamed this the, the plains for 91 or 92 years but uh you know she was just uh she was a hoot and yeah. uh, she had a story for everything and, and uh, I was kind of her favorite target because everybody else had already heard all the stories and I was kind of the rookie to the family. So, um, you know, I got to hear all the grandmere stories before she passed away.
1: That's very sweet. Uh, you know, my, my grandparents passed away when I was uh, a lot younger and it, it was never really the same without them. They're kind of the ones who carry on those traditions. And I'm, I'm trying to find new traditions for my my own family. And it's, it's harder because now I'm, I'm kind of the one that has to do that so far only all i have is also not cutting off all of my fingers you know that's that's been a daily tradition <laughs> for me my entire life but um you know we always watch trains planes and automobiles because it's like of all thanksgiving movies that's probably the best one and every year i still laugh at it i don't know why and uh we also watch die hard for some reason and uh we we evaluated as as a family whether or not it was a christmas movie and i did not I was not in the majority in that one. Most folks around here know that I, I hold it to just be a simple action film. But I'm sure. glad you had a good good Thanksgiving. I missed you while you were gone. I thought I about you, you every day. I bet you could actually believe that. Uh, <laughs> but I don't want to keep our guests. I don't want to keep our guests waiting too much longer. Everyone's everyone's heard plenty from me today. That's for sure. So why don't we welcome our guest, uh, Mallory? We'll bring her on on the screen here. Mallory, welcome. Hi. <laughs> say hello <laughs> to everyone, Mallory.
0: Mallory, say hey. hello to everyone. Um, so what we're going to do, you know, and I don't want to like, I'm going to turn the floor over to her, obviously, but, uh, there's some questions that I have, uh, you know, I told you in the intro that she was managing a floor during an active shooter scenario. It's always, it's, it's been a lingering problem with me when I was running a communication center. Uh, you know, that was one of my first questions when I got up there. What, what what are we going to do during an active shooter? And everyone just kind of looked at each other. It's not that they hadn't thought of it for the, for the first time, but, they're not necessarily included in the law enforcement training of an active shooter. And I, I found that to be a little bit alarming because uh, just knowing what I know, you know, we were on the heels of Marjorie Stoneman Douglas at the time and uh, Columbine, all these other, you know, uh, the uh, all these other active shooter incidents that we had, the, the communication center gets flooded quickly. Uh, and, fa- you know, you're the first to be flooded. You know, we saw that in Uvalde and uh, you know there are issues with connectivity, especially with the radios when you get inside a, a, a hurricane-proof school. Uh, so, um, I, uh, before I was uh, before I left that position, before I was made to leave that position, uh, I was—I uh, I guess we'll say—but uh, I'm not bitter. Uh, I was in the process of having the uh, the managers, the four managers, work on four different aspects of an actual order or some type of spe- uh you know operating procedure for active shooter. I don't know what the status of it is now. Because what you all have to think about is out there in America you're going to be flooded with 911 calls and so there's that response that you have to manage. You're going to be flooded on the radio with people wondering where to go and what to do and you have to, you know, connect them with the proper medical people. You're going to have to do the coordination with the medical people. And then, you know, the sleeper is, you're going to have to answer the phone call of, of the cop. That's like, where's everybody going? Or uh, the <laughs> yeah. the major who's like, I need this information right now. So tell me about, you know, can you run this tag for me? Uh, so this is, these are the kinds of things that I want to get out of Mallory. And of course I'm doing all the talking right now. We'll, we'll let her do that. Mallory, how long have you been in the business?
3: Um, 14 years.
0: Wow, a uh, 14-year survivor, and uh, you're currently, uh, I'm guessing, like a supervisor of some sort, a manager? Or...
3: Um, I'm a specialist in charge, which I'm not a supervisor, but if they're not there, then I'm in charge of the floor. So yes, but no. Been
1: kind of there, like, done kind that. Of like, <laughs> kind of like what a corporal is, right? Wouldn't that be yeah. essentially yeah. that?
0: Yeah.
3: I have all the responsibility, but none of the authority.
1: None of the power, right. That's how they, yeah. that's how they try to trick you to go out to the next level, right? That's yep. pretty common
0: in the field, I think. Um, so tell us, uh, walk us through just a little bit. We're going to try to remain generic. It's, it's going to be next to impossible to remain completely generic. I'm not going to mention what agency she works for because she's on here representing herself. She's doing us a solid by coming on here. And again, our intentions are to, uh, share the knowledge that she has because it's not necessarily widely shared in the business. Uh, so we don't want to get her in trouble with her agency by any stretch of the imagination. And we're not expecting her to disparage anyone. Um, actually, why don't we start with uh, this a gunman killed eight people at a mall last week. The chaos
4: captured in newly released 911 calls that also show how dispatchers help save lives. Morgan Chesky has the late details. And we do want to warn you, some of you viewers may find the audio disturbing. Seconds after a gunman opened fire, a terrifying flood of calls for help.
2: Are you? Mom just got shot. Okay, where is? Mom's got that. Alan, nine one, are you calling
4: about the shooting? about twenty of us hiding in a bathroom in that burger. As hundreds hid wherever they could, police say Maricio Garcia opened fire almost immediately after he pulled up on a busy Saturday. The 33-year-old, armed with a rifle, handgun, and wearing body armor, began shooting near the mall's H&M store.
2: Can you please press um, something on her to stop the bleeding? Yeah, we did. We do.
4: Before an Allen police officer shot and killed a gunman, those calling 911, given tragically familiar advice.
2: I need you to stay where you're at and lock yourself in place. Keep your head down. Do you understand? Yeah, I'm
4: yeah, okay. When it was over, the gunman shooting spree took eight lives and wounded ten others. Today, multiple State groups State demanded investigators State examine State State the potential State. for a racially motivated hate crime.
3: I urge you to take action. Stand against hate and discrimination. We must rally our elected officials to call this a hate crime, which has not happened yet.
4: As the community fights its way forward, a somber moment Sunday when hundreds stood silent, remembering those no longer here from a tragedy we've seen before and tonight investigators say this scene has been cleared for days now but there is still no timeline on when the shops will be reopening and as for this memorial for the victims officials tell me it'll be coming down tomorrow to be shared with the families who lost loved ones
0: okay so just to be clear she's you know this occurred in allen texas that's not necessarily the agency she works for uh, understand that when uh, for, the, for those that are in the 911 business, they understand this. Maybe a lot of cops or firefighters don't even understand this, or civilians. But uh, the, all of these calls are going to flood out to all of the area agencies because it's just such an onslaught. It, it, just imagine, you know, if, if there's only six people answering 911 calls, 250 calls come in at the same time. Uh, they 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 carry out or they they flood over to different areas and every agency in the area is going to be equally as busy. I can guarantee that just uh, because of, uh, you know, it's all hands on deck. Everybody's going to respond. And, you know, it's the kind of stuff we saw at Michigan state. So, uh, so if we want to tackle something first, Mallory, why don't we talk a little bit about managing the 911 response and gathering the info? What was the, what was the tone like in there? Um, It
3: was actually for my agency, um, was pretty somber anyway because we had an- another event going on that day mm. um, we had one of our captains in the fire department his funeral was actually going on during this so we mm-hmm. had a lot of our resources there um, which was actually like less than a mile away from where the shooting occurred and um, so we were kind of distracted by that and trying to watch that and participate while we were on duty and then all of this happened
0: What, uh, what was it, I mean, was it, uh, you you know, when there's an accident on the interstate, and I, you know, I was sitting up in a communication center, when there's an accident on the interstate, I I know that there's a pretty bad accident somewhere just judging by the volume of calls was it pretty apparent, pretty quickly that something big was going on.
3: Um. Our first couple of calls came in and it just sounded like what we would call gunshots in the area where they just heard the gunshots. They didn't actually see anything. Um, And then I would say less than five minutes after, it was the flood of calls from the actual outlet mall. People like um, sheltering in place or even the victims calling and it was... I can't even describe how many calls like we got 400 calls in less than probably 45 minutes.
0: Unbelievable. And
3: that that was just our agency. I know all of the other agencies around got the leftover calls that we couldn't answer.
1: You must have been calling them back for a long time, too. If you just have (laughs) abandoned 911 calls, you can't answer them all. Right. So then your your call queue just shows you have a whole bunch of missed calls you're legally and morally bound to call all those people back and make sure they're all right. Some of whom aren't yeah. going to answer. So it's like, you can't resolve that. Right.
0: If my math is correct, that's a call every six seconds or so. Yeah. So, um, and if you don't have the personnel who are in the right frame of mind, one, but two, if you don't have the, the personnel to handle that, it's going to be overwhelming. And in that 450 is maybe a missing piece of the puzzle was there any was there ever any concern or was there a procedure kind of thrown out like hey you know like just just find out what they're doing and hang up or
3: um we kind of made the determination that if they were at one of the stores and sheltered in place we obviously kept them there made sure no one was injured and then tried to get any information if they saw the suspect but a lot of them didn't And then whenever we got the victims, we were giving medical instructions while we were trying to get Alan on the phone, because obviously they're getting way more bombarded with calls than we are. So we're trying to get them through so they know where more victims are. It was, it was chaos. Uh,
0: I think this is the, these are the things that, um, you know, right after I retired, Uvalde occurred, and uh, I I still have very strong opinions that counter- uh, many people, you know, like I understand that it was an emotional event, and uh, it's horrible that 18 kids and two teachers were were murdered senselessly. Uh, I also understand the cops' point of view, and of course, the communications people' point of view, because you, you just don't understand what the the um, the amount of information that you're getting, and it, it's not rehearsed; it's rarely trained. Had you had any training before this on? active shooters or anything like that
3: um we actually did with my agency we have our active attack training which is mostly based off of like school shootings um and then I had actually gone down to Uvalde afterwards to help with run the um like the outside agencies coming in their command center so I had gone to Uvalde and kind of talked to the ones there and experienced that too
1: amazing we have a question from the audience from Carly. She was actually a, a 911 dispatcher out in the Bay Area. Uh, she's curious how many dispatchers and call takers were working and if uh, the person who's running the radio is also taking calls.
3: Um, that day we actually had four regular dispatchers and then me as the specialist in charge. And then I had a new call taker actually starting that day.
1: Mm. Um, oh, my gosh.
3: Yeah. And so I was working a channel. I was working the event, the funeral. And then the other we have three other channels, so regular fire, what we call our like information channel, and then patrol. And so I tried to keep patrol off the phones because she was still working regular stuff with our officers, but then once they started going, we ended up closing that channel too so that she could solely st- work that and she pretty much stayed off the phone
0: well
1: it's impossible to really to really juggle that you can't i've had to do it before but having to be on the phone and the radio is uh it's it's very difficult particularly with some some technology if you're wearing a headset it only will play one in your ear so you're having having to listen to speakers with your other ear and you're going to miss critical stuff that the field units are telling you police officers and so you well, really, that's you...
3: why I told her I because I was in charge. I was like, don't worry about answering it. Like, well, we obviously will have to call him back. But like, we're going to try and pick up where she can answer because she needed to focus on who all was going and how many were going and where they were going.
1: Yeah, which is a, a huge task in and of itself. You know, you're, you're now when you're taking on a big incident like that, you're now the information management for your incident commander. Uh, you need to know where, where certain resources are staged, how many resources are there. You're looking at mass casualties. Do you need ambulances from other jurisdictions? you need fire? And also, you've got to stage these things. And sometimes you just have to make those decisions yourself. You can't send these first responders into an area where there's active gunfire, right? We, we just, we don't do that. Um, there's some paramedic units, some firefighter units that have ballistic vests and things like that, but it's still something you would want to avoid. And all of a sudden you're in command of the, the communications room and you're you're a de facto commander until we until we have an incident commander there. I think so few people give give credit to 911 dispatchers and dispatch supervisors that until we have someone on the scene, the only one who even has a hand on this wheel of this crash is you.
0: Well, speaking of which, you. Um... You've got to manage the chaos and the coordination of everybody and their mother calling to see what's going on, uh, including all the cops in your agency, probably the media, uh, and then probably your command staff. Uh, so, what was the coordination like between the agencies, and then be, you know, just getting the word out to the to your chain of command?
3: Um. Initially, whenever all of the calls were coming in, we couldn't even get like a non-emergency line out to call anybody so we couldn't get in touch with Alan and so I ended up having to text one of the girls that I knew worked there to see if she could give me any information and she actually wasn't there initially for the first few minutes she was on her way in so afterwards whenever they were still getting bombarded with calls and we were too we ended up usually like just texting back and forth with any updates that they had or where they where we needed to send our people to go to meet them.
1: Drew, a uh, question a question from uh, a, ch- a chatter here. They just, I think they have general questions here about how incident command works. I don't know how deep you want to go into that, but who would yeah. be the incident commander in that situation? Would they call in a supervisor?
0: The first person on the scene is going to be the incident commander. Uh, and then it's going to, it'll start bumping up, you know, as the supervisory people respond. So uh, so th- these are one of the th- this is one of the uh, criticisms that people have of Uvalde uh, that I still side with the officers that were there. It, 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 there's a lot of confusion going on to begin with. But the, 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 the what everyone keeps calling the police chief that was there, uh, Arredondo, um, he was the police chief of six officers, by the way. So he was inside. And it is very, very possible for him to not know that he is actually the incident commander because your responsibility is when you're the first person there, you, you start getting, uh, start coordinating, start uh, taking command. Then there's supposed to be in the incident command system somebody on the outside that sets up a command post that is not engaged in the fight. And clearly, if he's trying doors and he's on the phone with communications and He's engaged in the fight. So I, I'm not making excuses for this guy. I'm, I'm saying that there it's, it's always worth a deeper look, but when, when you're talking about incident command and it was a great question, uh, Christy, um, just think about it, You're the first, if you're the only one there, you're the commander until somebody else can get there, uh, of higher rank. And then the, then their decision making, you know, kind of takes over from there. And it just keeps going up and up and up until eventually, uh, and hopefully more and more agencies are, are training Asher response, um, the, 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 the head of the fire department, whoever that is going to be, and the head of whatever law enforcement agency is going to be, are, they're going to meet under a tree somewhere very close. Hopefully both have communication with everybody that they're responsible for. And that's kind of where the command post is formed from there. So eventually, you know, the head of that agency will show up and, and take command and the head of the fire department will show up and, you know, jointly work it. But uh, if it's if it's a law enforcement response, it's going to be a law enforcement officer until the scene is safe. When the scene is safe and it turns into rescue and recovery, it's going to the, the, the command is going to be turned over to the to the rescue and recovery people, to the, the, the firefighters, basically.
1: But until somebody gets there, the only thing you can do is influence the situation through phone communication with uh, people who are reporting to you, giving advice. And, and as the units are responding, telling them where they should go to, And an outlet mall is going to be uh, a headache trying to give people directions as to where exactly this is happening. The video said this was, you know, starting at the H&M store. You know, if someone doesn't go to the mall, you know, how are you trying to translate to, that to them? And even then by agency, it's different. Like I would use, you know, south side of the building. Where some dispatch agencies are going to use essentially the way firefighters talk about sides of a building, you know, number one being the st- the street front. Go ahead, Drew. Yeah,
0: that's actually one of the main uh, uh, aspects of uh, incident command. It, it, it's like stripping all terminology, so you, you speak in plain English. Um, but people forget that because it's what we've been doing for years and years and years. Uh, but you know, M- Mallory said something that I think is very poignant, and this is this is how I've always felt about uh people that work in communications about john even uh sometimes uh but she she said look i couldn't even get a phone line out so i picked up my phone and i texted my friend who worked at the neighboring agency this is the resourcefulness that we're talking about like they're they're not always given the proper equipment they're not always given the proper respect and that's a different conversation but they always know how to get it done in the heat of the moment somehow and she just started texting and that always gets overlooked, you know, that for some reason that just kind of it, it, it maybe not intentionally slips through the cracks. It's a no brainer for Mallory to say, well, I, yeah, I mean, I, I, I have come, you know, we were texting means, you know, five minutes before that. So yeah. Uh, but but the resourcefulness of the dispatcher is something that I think the general public doesn't really understand.
1: We're routinely asked to do things that we don't know how to do and we don't have time to like really hem and haw about it. We've got to figure it out. I think probably my greatest example was, is we had a guy uh, a barricaded subject who had a gun to his head. I needed to get a recording of his wife. Sell- telling him to cooperate and put down the gun, I and mean, I needed to get a, a recording of her voice into a deputy's phone. And sure enough, I was using my, my personal computer and my own cell phone to get that to them. Cause I had no idea how to do it in that moment, but <laughs> Mallory Mallory gets it done. She's that's how dis- dispatchers are built.
0: That's right. Um, so, uh, from here, uh, do we lose Mallory? No, I'm still here. No, she, she's still All here. Right. All right. Just All right. quiet. Do we, I got it. Do we have a second clip, Drew? We do. Uh, that's, that's exactly what I was going to segue into. So, we, we talked a little bit about managing the 911 part. We talked a little bit about getting the word out to the, to the command structure. Let's see what the radio people actually had to deal with. Okay. Do you understand? Okay. Okay. All right. All right. You be good. Just a routine conversation between uh, some kids and in a and their mom, and all of a sudden, gunshots. I think we got shots fired at the
2: alley,
0: Got people running. Keep get going
2: keep get going, get moving 420
0: on and around. It's around, out. They're moving farther away from me. Go, 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 get moving.
2: Get out of here!
0: So he ran towards the sound of the gunshots, and the gunshots stopped. So he kind of slowed down. I'm
2: trying to get him. on foot. I hate everybody. I got Yes?
4: What you got? Are we a mass shooter? Yeah, we got people coming.
0: 145, my baby, we got a mass shooter. I got a magazine on the ground. Drop it! Drop it!
3: I'm passing the
0: okay. I'm moving as fast as I can trying to get over there. That's the hill figure. I don't know where he's at. That's actually him shooting.
2: I'm so, I'm really
0: cool. And I Shots <laughs> uh, yeah. so police I got him down!
4: I'm by some I'm moving up on him.
2: Who's just behind me? Watch your fire! Watch your fire! I got him now!
0: Chris,
2: I'm with Colonel Kemper. I got, I think so.
0: I'm not hearing any. There, there was a lot of criticism of that guy. Believe it or not, I mean, like, look at what he did. All right, and 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 you know, still six people lost their lives. I think. Um, there's a lot of criticism of the being out of breath and, you know, I
1: think think we know that's, that may not have been what it was though. His adrenaline is pumping. He's going to be
0: like that. I I mean, you know, non-cops need to understand that he's carrying an extra 30 or 40 pounds, you know, in the form of a a gun belt, a vest, like you try and, and do that and be precise with your shots because you're responsible for every bullet that comes out of your gun. Uh, then the cops are like, "Oh, this is why you need to be in shape and blah blah." Yeah, I get it. I mean, I understand why everybody's going to be in shape. Y- you can be as svelte as John himself, and you're not—you're going to be out of breath. It's just the way it goes. It's—it yeah. is the combat part of it. Yeah. Like it's—you're it, <laughs> talking to a mom and her two kids, telling them to wear your safety belt when mommy's driving, okay? And next thing you know, you're pulling out the rifle out of your car, your long gun, and you're running after somebody who's murdering people. Yeah, like it's it's just not what your brain is used to. So
1: I can't imagine you... what's going on in dispatch. Not to interrupt you, Drew, but at one point he's he's trying to talk, and dispatchers are trying to get help there. And you're you're sharing the same resource, right? On a digital radio, you you can't go at the same time. The talk group closes, and that chirp indicates that you have the air. So he's trying to get out, and he can't. And he's he at one point, he's saying, you know, get off the air. he's got things to talk about. That's one of the hardest parts as a, as a dispatcher where you're trying to manage that flow of communications because you need everything that he's saying, but you have so much to tell everyone else.
0: So Mallory, had you seen that? I, I'm assuming you have it. I don't know for oh, yeah. a fact. Had you seen that? Yeah, several um, times oh, okay and and I, I'm assuming the officer is doing okay, I mean.
3: As far as I know, um, I know initially afterwards he didn't want any public anything. He was just doing his job. And yeah, he went out and and did know, his job. Yeah, yeah a, a thousand percent. But that's, um,
0: I, I mean, like, I, I don't even know how to describe that kind of heroism. I mean, that's that's insane. That's, that's yeah. intense. Um, so uh, perhaps, maybe not where. You know, they're, they're trying to manage the chaos on the radio where he worked. Uh, I'm sure there was an equal amount of radio traffic where you worked because I could hear sirens coming from all over the place, from yes. all four directions. So yeah. uh, what was it like trying to manage the radio part for for where you worked?
3: Um, initially, it was probably about maybe 20 minutes into the incident from whenever Allen started getting calls about shots fired that they actually got a hold of us to ask us for assistance. We hadn't sent anybody um, to them. We had just broadcasted out basically on our radio that we were getting calls about an active shooter at the outlet mall. And so all of our guys pretty much started heading towards that area, even though we weren't authorized to go by the watch commander yet and then once we got the call of them saying yeah we need whoever you can send they all went
0: uh yeah it's i mean it's a matter of um uh like there's probably a memorandum of understanding between the agencies and uh, until the formal request is made, sometimes it's you know like as much as the cops on the street just want to go over there and help, uh, they okay. probably were already doing that or or whatever. But uh, I, I'm sure that there has to be some kind of formal request. Um, so, uh, and, and it sounds like that that was obviously made. Um, yes. But you know what? There's no real uh, memorandum of understanding when those 911 calls start bleeding into your into your okay. communication center, and you got to manage all that chaos too. So. Yeah. Um. So, did what? Um, what was your takeaway from the radio response? Like, you know, were, were there people unnecessarily talking, or you know, were they just were there people that just didn't? I, I don't know what how your radio set up. I don't know if you have like three or four different channels, or uh, I mean, um, did, 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 once did it seem, they, sorry, good, no, 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 go ahead.
3: Once Alan asked us for help, we closed that primary patrol channel and sent them, and then we had. Uh, fire units in route two, obviously with with as many ambulances as we could send. Um, And so they were in route on their own channel too. So we had two separate channels essentially working for this plus our regular three that we normally have.
0: So your, your primary, uh, are you a primary PSAP? In other words, do you get all of the calls for your area or do you handle Uh, just like uh, police and fire and and medical for your jurisdiction.
3: We handle it for our jurisdiction, but we also have um, like the county portions that we cover for fire and medical. So we handle portions of that too.
1: Dispatch agencies are all set up very differently. And, you know, if if she's responding and she's helping a, a neighboring agency, you bring up a good point about having to have that request being made. Um, you know, there, there is going to be court cases after this and understanding how things went down. And there's actually going to be like bills to pay and things like that. And that's why formal requests have to be made. But there also well, are d- different types of dispatch agencies where they just handle stuff for the city and not anything in the county. I think yeah, that's what you we were getting at.
0: Like, yeah, you kind of hope too that federal emergency management steps in and reimburses, but you never know what they're going to reimburse and what they're not. And maybe they won't at all. But again, it ha- you know, you can't just ask for money just because you showed up it's more of a, were you asked to be there. Uh, it's just, you know, stupid red tape. So it's governmental yeah. stuff. Yeah. Uh, so coordinating the rescue part might be a little bit different for you. It might look a little bit different for you because you're used to talking to the police and the fire and the uh, medical. Uh, was it, uh, was it any different on this day f- you know, trying to get them to go or or communicate with one another on a, uh, do they communicate with one another on a daily basis? I guess would be where we should start.
3: Um, Agency to agency. They don't, but like our firefighters are medical too. So they know what's going on. And then whenever they get on scene, they coordinate with our police officers. So our agency is pretty well-versed in working with all three of them, but not so much with, other agencies unless they just request us to come which doesn't happen very often
0: uh something that occurred after Marjorie stoneman douglas down here in south florida there was a large commission that was put together um and uh they came up with a lot of findings but also uh they created a statute based off of you know there are some mandatory things that each communication center had to do one of which was uh we have to have an open and manned channel for all agencies in the state to be able to get on and, and talk to one another uh, this was born out of some like jurisdictional disputes if if you don't know the setup of where Marjorie stoneman douglas is it's like in the city proper but it's just on the border of the county and then of course uh, you throw in uh, a, another city that's right pretty close and you know, this city fire department doesn't talk to that county fire department because they're in a beef with one another. And, you know, so to resolve that, that, there's a common channel. What's that?
1: That's real. I mean, I've, I've had to work before where certain agencies, you know, they're, they're not offering up help and things like that. And the other agency is not asking. And um, they, they don't necessarily want to share resources, but after nine eleven, I know that that changed the way a lot of it worked. I know like Minnesota is an example. They have Armor, which is a, it's a radio channel that like anyone's allowed to use. Like um, the way that it was built with tax money and infrastructure, it was all set out from the, from get go that it was a channel that everyone uses for, for law enforcement and, uh, and information across the state, but it doesn't belong to any one person. So. Uh, it, jurisdictions vary like that but you'll have radio set up that way
0: do you have anything uh like that where you are mallory is there a common channel that all the agencies in the area can kind of talk to you?
3: yeah we have um uh, like an interrupt channel we have several throughout the state that we can use and usually we have we have certain ones that were assigned that we can use anytime if they're not being used but then we also have the capabilities to patch channels we just didn't sure. um oh, yeah, in it- this incident
0: so there was no patching of cha- it, it. Probably wasn't necessary at that point. Like they probably had everybody in a command post. I'm assuming. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Patching is actually not that good, in my opinion, because yeah, if not. you take two digital digital channels or a digital and analog, they're not they're not communicating perfectly. So you'll have one talk group that's opening and it's also transmitting on another talk group that might be closed, but of course, because it's an automatic function, it doesn't know that's happening. And It's very, it's very easy to have your communications jammed or not working. Um, I know sort of the premise of this episode of the stuff that we're talking about is that communications is the first thing to break down in a, in a major incident. It's not necessarily dispatchers that are breaking down, but no technology has, has certain limitations and, uh, training has certain limitations and, uh, Sometimes you can even have the best training in the world. And when you have something like this going on and you're trying to figure out the best way to do it, a field unit's going to have a different idea of how it should be done compared to the dispatcher. And so you'll tell someone, hey, we're all going to go over to this channel and this is going to be our reserve channel that we're going to use for this. And someone else, some, some field unit has already switched to a di- completely different channel and wants everyone over there. And, and then, like I said, sometimes you're trying to bridge a channel that another agency is on so that they can hear what's going on. It just gets really frustrating really quickly, and uh, you all you generally leave that incident feeling like, well, we're going to have a meeting about this one. You know, it's uh, <laughs> you know, we're gonna we're gonna have to find some way to do this differently. And, and sure enough, the next time it comes up, like no one remembers. So well,
0: yeah, the next time it comes up, it's completely different anyway. Right. But what I think what the general public doesn't understand, and probably again, some of the cops are the first uh, what we call first responders, um. So you're you only have so many 911 lines that are going to go into your agency.
1: Those are physical phone lines, by the way, folks. It's not even, even if it's you, internet based. It's not it's yeah. not completely open ended. You can't just receive a hundred 911 calls at once. You can receive six or ten or however it's physically set up.
0: Think of, th- think of an airport parking garage. Okay, so you get on the second floor and you start driving around, and there's no there's no spaces. There's no spaces. So what do you do? You got to go up to the third floor. And you start driving around, looking around on the third floor, maybe you find a space up there. Uh, But if there's 500 cars behind you, um, they're going to not just fill into the third, fourth and fifth floors. They're going to keep coming to the second floor and they're going to keep coming to the third floor and to the fourth floor. So it's true the same with, especially with cellular technology, it's going to bounce to the, you know, it's like. a a predetermined thing like uh, it's
1: rerouting. Yeah. They'll have an emergency backup PSAP. That's the first one to take it. It, It'll ring a certain number of times and then it'll bounce. And then usually there's a PSAP of last resort where like, if you have a statewide emergency, eventually everything goes to one, you know, what they would call major or fallback PSAP. But in this case where she's taking 400 calls, you know, these calls might be being dropped or just not going through at all. Through it all, and it's got to be heartbreaking and heart wrenching as a dispatcher doing your best to keep up, and you're thinking, especially when you're calling all those missed calls back. Like, did I miss a call back from someone who was in the last moments of their life? Did I get a? Did I miss a 911 call from someone who just had a message to pass on for a loved one? And your mind, kind of, I, I imagine, you know, would go through that sort of thing and, and worry, worrying about what you potentially missed out on. The other thing is just taking the calls. And, and Mallory, correct me if I if I'm wrong, or let me know if I'm on the right track. But you get a 911 call, and you have no way to quickly triage whether or not this is a worthwhile call in terms of information. Right? Someone will call 911, and they'll say they'll be at the Taco Bell across the street, saying, "I hear a noise at the mall." Well, that's good. You already had a police officer there who already told you there were shots fired, so that call's no good. And now we have another 911 call, and it's coming from inside the H and M store. Uh, but that person's inside the dressing room, and they're just scared. And as scary as that is, you can't get any meaningful information from them. How many suspects are there? What kind of weapons do they have? You can't get any information like that. So you have to process these calls very quickly and you'll never know if you're passing on a potentially good call in terms of a fountain of information and, and taking just to keep it going to take the next call only to get someone who knows nothing. Mallory, does that sound right to you?
3: Yeah, that's completely accurate.
0: Right. Uh, okay. So while we're on the subject, uh, there's some mental aspects of uh, keeping everybody focused and kind of managing the personnel that day, uh, especially when things kind of, you know, calm down a little bit. Um, not to mention, you know, John just mentioned it like you're calling people back. Uh, you're bound to hear somebody say, yeah, I was standing two feet from the guy, but nobody answered.
1: Right. Um, and, the, and, and how that makes you look as an agency, even though you have no way of dealing with. You that have no way of
0: knowing you have no way of doing it and people don't understand the flood of the call. So how do you keep, how, how did you, uh, keep the team kind of mentally focused or was there anything special you had to do like before, uh, or, uh, when things kind of settled down, did you have to call in another shift or, uh, were, th- were there people that were, you know, understandably, you know, with a thousand mile stare or a thousand yards stare? uh, what kind of stuff did you have to do? Um,
3: honestly, it was about two Uh, An hour and a half to two hours before our shift change anyway so luckily that shift supervisor she heard what was going on and started coming in early so she had taken it upon herself to start texting her shift to try and get them to come in early so we could at least have more cross-trained dispatchers and not just like we had several one or two channel trained people that are helpful but in a situation where you might need to take over another patrol channel or something like that, it's not helpful. Or, um, or,
1: or, your, or your brand new person who might be getting overwhelmed yeah. and you probably need yes. someone to just sit right beside them and remind them of their training and just help, help them kind of get through that for sure. Yeah.
0: Is your brand new
1: person still with you?
3: She actually is um, <laughs> very strong person for this. And yeah. I, that was like my first thing, was to check in with her. And I checked in with everybody, just as a person that was in charge, but also as a human being, because I know all the calls that they took, um, just made sure that they were good before they tried to leave, or if they needed somewhere to sit or something before they tried to go home or anything like that. But um, she struggled with it for a little bit. And then we had a couple of conversations, had several debriefings, actually, that we got to participate in with the officers that responded, which That's was amazing. really helpful. That's yeah. great.
1: That's not at all common, by the way. No. I, I've no, only been not. invited to, to one debriefing in, in eight years. And it's it's not that we have critical or, or terrible situations happen a lot where I am, uh, just because I'm kind of a, a rural dispatcher and I work for a small agency, but it's not at all common. In fact, when uh, we were sending out advertisements for this episode, I, a couple of police officers reached out to me. And they were talking about how uh, Joshua in particular reached out to me in in the DMs and said, you know, we we never get to do these interdisciplinary debriefs afterwards. You know, it's so important to do that, to see that we're all on the same team, to understand the struggles that we have. You know, certainly we try to understand the the struggles that firefighters, that paramedics and and police officers are dealing with. We often just get to be the recipient of their frustration over the radio. Uh, Sometimes they're the recipient of ours. But, you know, when you have the debrief, it's almost like, you know, sorry that things got heated there, but we're all on the same team. And, you know, obviously I was just frustrated about the situation and it wasn't you. These things can go a long way towards not only just uh, repairing, you know, strained emotions between agencies or persons, but they do a lot for building that morale going forward that dispatchers are important. They are just as they matter as much to the response as much as the police, the firefighters, uh, the the paramedics and everyone else that goes. Um uh, the other thing that would, that it's interesting and I would like to ask you about, particularly now that this has happened at a nearby agency or in your area, it seems like everyone has the mentality that active shooters are like winning the Nobel Prize. They exist, but they're not going to happen to me. You know, someone, they're out there happening, you see them in the news, but it's never, never going to happen here. My viewpoint on it is that it, this is a sad world and all of us are sort of in a situation where we're sitting on a time bomb, right, where eventually it's going to go off where we're going to have an event, whether it's an active shooter or something else that overwhelms us as an agency. Uh, are we still are you guys doing training in your area for active shooter response? And if so, are you guys being included in that? Because a lot of the, the messages I was seeing was, is that we have police officers who are now finally doing this, but they're not involving dispatch at all. Like, what are your thoughts on that?
3: Um, luckily my agency, we've been pretty ahead of the times, I guess, even before like Uvalde and stuff happened, we had already started training with police and with fire who already had trained together previously, um, for like active attack situations. So once they started including us, it was helpful for them to kind of see how we work too. Um, but then after this incident, they've- Um, really gone through and looked at how we were training and the policies and stuff that even police and fire were doing. And they are starting to revamp it and have us train actually end scenarios and stuff with them.
1: Mallory, would you agree that if firefighters and police officers and other field units are training for these things in any kind of serious incident, and they're not including dispatch, would you agree with the assertion that it's really not good training at all? Because there's a critical component that's just left behind on that one
3: yeah i mean them working together on the scene that's great and everything what happens whenever you need us to do things and we don't know what you're wanting case case
1: in point you can't have an officer there pretending to be the dispatcher because what if you go into a school and your radios aren't reaching dispatch now right drew go ahead
0: um i I lost my train of thought uh how about managing the, the 10,000 mile stare just something for people to think about that are listening uh, no matter where you are in life, uh, what your position is. So uh, you know, she said it like she was a human being. She went over and she talked to everybody involved and uh, you know, just, just think about how you never know how you're going to react to something like this until you're in the middle of it or, you know, towards the end of it. And I've personally, uh, had to manage something as heavy as this. and it was uh, pretty apparent that the people that were working the radio at the time needed to just go home. like they're of no use to us here uh, that and in fact, just about every little thing was re kind of invigorate like triggering them because uh, every every conversation we had about what they had just been through is is you know something they assume is, you know uh critical of them or whatever and that and it just wasn't the case at all so you have to remember that you're if you're minimally staffed and something like this happens you're kind of uh in a sense screwed until you can get other people to come in there and at least have somebody standing behind the chair to, to tap on the shoulder and say okay i'm here it's time for you to go um because it's Otherwise, you know, I said this, if I've said it once, I'll say it a million times. If you don't have a well-adjusted person answering 911 calls or on the radio, it's going to be terrible for everybody around. The people on the radio set the tone for the the cops on the street, believe it or not. Uh, I'm a firm believer in that, and I've done both jobs, so I understand that um but if somebody's not in their right frame of mind then um you know things can go terribly wrong and uh what everybody else seems to forget is life goes on so there are people with cats stuck in the tree and there are people that uh you know obviously we're going to triage all those calls that come in but at the same time y- you got officers responding to domestic violence incidents and all the other dangerous stuff that normally goes on that you really have to be aware of and pay attention to because, you know, uh, we are a third, you know, as dispatchers, we're, I, I say we, uh, dispatchers are like the third set of ears or eyes. So you, you've got to, you know, make sure that they're um, like in the game, fully in the game. And the the thing about the debrief, just a, a quick note about that, and I'm so glad that you guys got to participate in that. Uh, but the thing about the debrief is... Um, what you, if you, if you ever get to experience one, uh, and I hope you don't because it means that you were in a pretty bad, you know, situation, traumatic situation, but if you ever get to experience one. I, I think the, my, my takeaway from the major incident that I, I had to run, um, was you just don't know how people are affected and you don't know who is affected and why. So at the end of the whole thing, like, first of all, it was the first time communications was invited to a debrief. This was a major debrief, it was a major incident and um, just like the the emotions that came out uh, because they were called on first, just the recognition the you know everything else like you know we're progressing in the in the in the field and were included and all this other stuff uh, it was overwhelming to begin with but but they actually got out you know stuff out of their system that they never knew that they had in there and uh it opened a lot of eyes to the officers that were sitting in the room the thing that stood out to me the most was at the end of it the the person uh what it, it was just a very bad call as a murder suicide that played out over the radio and um the, the the person that was that seemed to be affected the most was sat in the back she was from hr and she was the one that signed off on the guy's uh packet she's the one that signed off on it so she's she's blaming herself for hiring this guy oh man and and you don't you you'll you'll, you're not going to get that out of her when you know what i mean like so traditionally in law enforcement or or the fire services or whatever that's the bitch secretary that's you know what i mean that's that's just like the 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 grumpy old evidence guy that you know that you think he's just drinking you know on the job or whatever they're just so calloused because of something like that. And nobody ever asks them like, Hey man, are you okay? Uh, Did, did, did this affect you in any way or whatever? And I'm telling you, it was a river of emotion when she came out with what she came out with. And then she got the river of support, obviously, but, but all of us were just like stunned. Like, man, I never thought of that. I never would have thought of that. Please don't blame yourself for that. You know? Um, So just, just bear that in mind, and this is why I think it's unfair that we call it a debrief, or we have this big debrief, uh, critical incident stress debrief, and we don't include the people that were affected the most by it. So if you're out there listening, please include your communications people and your and any personnel that were affected, by the way.
1: John, do you have anything? Yeah, Mallory, uh, I don't mean to put you on, a sp- on the spot. Uh, leadership is kind of a core virtue around here. It's something that we really appreciate and that we talk about a lot you mentioned, you know, that you were checking on that brand new call taker dispatcher there and you were checking on the other people that were there. If you're able to think of anything you'd like to share, like if you had to give advice for the next supervisor that's going to be put in your situation, what are some ways that they can take care of their people and, and what are maybe some things they should avoid? I know for me, I, I'm one of these guys where I'm absolutely fine until someone asks me if I'm okay. And then when they check on me, like, that's when I'm like, no <laughs> you know that's yeah. that's what i break down what what works for you as as kind of that that core supervisor because you know you don't have a lot of like you said you're kind of at that next level but you don't have all the you don't have all of the responsibility that that shift supervisor has so in a lot of ways you're you're kind of a caretaker of your people at least that's how it seems to me if i'm right let me know and when what do you yeah. do for them
3: um luckily my shift like while this happened my shift we had worked together for a while so we kind of knew personalities and everything like that that's the biggest thing as a leader that I've learned is get to know your people because they may not say something's wrong but just like you if someone asks me if I'm okay then I'm not going to be okay but if you just let me do my job I'm good until I have someone to relieve me and then I'll process everything in my own way And so that's why I'm lucky that we worked together because I kind of knew everybody. So I kind of knew it affected them because it's a huge incident and it's not going to not affect somebody, but they were doing okay with where they were at and what we did to help. And then the call taker, I kept checking in with her because I felt like I didn't know her that well. And I wanted her to know that it was okay if she wasn't okay and just try and make sure that, I kind of let her know situations that have happened with me so that she kind of knew that we all have something traumatic happen to us. And if it bothers you, then speak up about it. And luckily, our my agency is very good with mental health. So they're big pushers of speak up if you're not okay and yeah. not going to judge you on it.
1: That's great to hear. It's very hard to find in law enforcement. A lot of people, and it's this may be more common with field units, meaning primarily police officers, but they don't feel like they could admit they're anything less than their best because fellow officers are depending on them for their lives. Uh, there's a stigma attached to it, of course. I've said it on the show before, you know, that we're a society that, that mourns suicide, but we, we're sort of glib about getting mental health care. Um, it is helpful to know your people. You and I were talking before the show about training one aspect of the training that I, I try to cover just because it is important is, you know, what's good, what, how are you going to handle it if something bad happens today? Because when you're brand new, you don't get a grace period, you know, you don't get 30 days or 90 days in which we promise no active shooters. We promise no murders on the radio or whatever. Uh, I try to address with them like, look, first of all, you need to know the County has an employee assistance program. That's something that you should use. Um, You should also know that like one of the ways that I deal with stress around here is that I've kind of got a guy, like I've got a coworker that his, he was more, he was my partner. You know, he and I worked most shifts together for about the first four or five years that I was there and we got a personal relationship and he's just someone that I can talk to about anything. And so you, you let them know, I'm like, Hey, you know, I'm just your trainer. I know you just met, you can talk to me. If it's not going to be me, you need to find someone here. Who's just your person you could talk to encourage building that kind of a relationship and, and it's an informal thing so it's hard it's hard to sort of band that like hey you, you have to make a friend here particularly since a lot of people in our job don't like making friends at work just because the kind of environment that we can often be in i know at our state academy too when we go there one of our homework assignments is when you leave for the weekend and you come back on monday you've got to you have to fill out uh you know who are three people that you can talk to that are your personal associates or friends about stuff and then like you also have to you have to like find like counseling agencies in your area so that when you face that you know we almost treat it like it's inevitable that you have some kind of support system to go to and it's difficult to have a job where you're basically saying you know get ready for something terrible to happen to you it's it's, it can be very difficult to do
0: we had a question in the chat about um you know why aren't why isn't there more interaction between school personnel and um uh, law enforcement because that's where you know these things are apt to happen in my response you know i see i saw a response in the chat tanner responded uh, i think you know pretty accurately uh it's been my experience that uh, the school people want to do what the school people want to do and yeah and and they don't they're not necessarily they're, they're kind of like uh the cats in, in this situation you know law enforcement are kind of like dogs and they know uh this is their realm and this is what they want to do but you know, there's like an indifference of, you know, what could you possibly tell me um, at times and administrators just they're their own animal. And sometimes it's very necessary for them to just, you know, they're responsible for the safety of all those children. But at the same time uh, you've got experts at your disposal. So maybe there should have been there, there should be more uh, interaction, but it's, it doesn't necessarily go that way. The school boards are kind of fickle when it comes to working with law enforcement.
1: They are. In fact, I've, I've heard teachers and people in that profession say that, you know, like when they went the one time they had a call for service at a school and uh, uh, it just happened to be that all the police officers were close by and together. And so they, you know, they all just rolled up there because nothing else was going on. And the school was upset that, you know, we had three police officers go out for this disorderly student. And, they're, and the feedback I got on that was like, do you have any idea how humiliated they are and all the trauma that they've endured because three police officers responded? And I'm like, well, you know, you sent out this call for disorderly conduct. It's like we're just trying to take care of it. And really, the more officers we have, the more safe everyone is, like particularly if he's struggling, you know, like a one on one struggle between a cop and a student. someone's going to get hurt. If you have three police officers, you could do that safely. So schools sometimes, like Drew said, they don't want to work with the cops. But but overall, police don't go where they're not wanted. They need to be invited. And these school yeah. boards, they don't want to believe just like the cops. They don't want to believe that anything could ever happen at their school. And and, and, some, and in some ways, it's scary to say, you know what? We need to have that training here. We need to get really in depth with it. We need to do it quarterly uh, because they're admitting to themselves tacitly like, hey, this is going to happen here. or This could happen here. And they're, they're opening the door to what their worst fear is. I imagine that schools across the country in the last 10, 12 years, but especially lately, I mean, you know, Christy, you know, you worked in a school. I imagine you were very afraid of that. You were someone who would have to deal with that student in the classroom, and you're someone who wants that training. But, you know, it's the political people, the, the bureaucracy, the school board, the administrator principal, whoever's in charge. Is It's them who's not doing the inviting. It's up to them to invite, and they're not doing it.
0: Micah is on the line. Uh, if he would hold for just a minute or two more, we've got uh, Will Cray, who has a question. Although, um, he's saying, uh, can you hear us both now? Will? hi. Uh, I can only hear
4: you right now. True. Okay. Will, how are you?
0: All right. Thank well, will why don't you go ahead? All right. Yeah, go for it. Give us a question. Um, hi,
2: John. Um, but, uh, my question for Mallory was, I have it's a little bit on lighter side. Um, my question was, since I know it's a very stressful job, is there anything that you have that helps you de stress from all the crap that you have to deal with at work?
3: Um, I pretty much just try and find things in my off time, or if I know I'm really stressed, to try and decompress. So, like, I'll play rec softball or go out hanging with my friends and just we'll go play pool or something. Um, I also do old lady crafts too, which kind of <laughs> helped me.
1: I love macrame personally. Very big into I, that.
3: I crochet. So.
1: Very nice. You're actually not the only dispatcher I've ever met who does crochet. I think that might be a, uh, that might be a thing. Actually I think I know three now that I've met. Yeah. Me, a lot so. of
0: them do it in the comm center.
1: Yeah, yeah,
3: I do. But then I also do it like
0: in my spare time too. Um. So Andrew of address this in the chat he he said uh, real talk though uh, you have to participate in your own rescue to survive it's awesome uh that she's saying that obviously but uh you've got to speak up when it's time and you've got to participate in the in the healing process you can't just woe is me your way through it and understandably the profession uh, lent to that for many many years because for the longest time it was yeah, you've got no right to – you're not in immediate danger like the cops or the firefighters. Therefore, you don't have a right to be upset or whatever. But you have to understand that the trauma is trauma. It doesn't matter. The, the, the trauma is not any different when somebody has to deal with 400 people who are watching people be murdered and the guy that's out there actually taking him out. Believe it or not, that trauma is the exact same. The danger is a lot different, and and that adds a whole different level of trauma to the guy that's out there. But the initial trauma, it's the exact same. Like you're hearing gunshots over the phone, you're helpless. You can't get through the phone to help the people. You have people whispering, saying, "You know, I'm in a Wawa burger, and there's 20 of us hunkered down in a bathroom." Uh, you know, think of the think of the dispatcher that took the call of the kid that was in the classroom in Uvalde. I mean. Uh, This is heavy, heavy, heavy stuff. And it's the only difference between uh, like traditional first responders, what people call first responders, the people out in the field and the dispatchers is that there's acute danger involved there. But the the trauma is the exact same. And and it'll kill you just the same, uh, you know, as a dispatcher, as it will, as uh, as a first, you know, as somebody that's out in the field. John, if we it, have Micah ready. Do you have anything else before I go to him or no?
1: Well, it'll kill you, but it'll also the job will reject you, you know, if you're not taking care of yourself and if you're not, especially what you're new, if you're not getting looked after and if you don't have an agency that'll help you. You know, we need 911 dispatchers. We need good people. We need people that uh don't get run off or don't get beaten down or defeated by incidents like these. Uh you if you're trying to have a, a career for a long time, you're gonna have to face something like this and you have to get through it and it's not easy. Get Micah on the phone. I miss that guy.
0: Yeah, I miss uh, I miss Micah also, and it's a treat for Mallory because Micah is uh, the captain of our own comm center. Uh, captain Micah, are you there?
2: Hello, I'm here. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm just listening to com center smoking a soggy so all is well.
1: What's the your joke? Just get to the, the Sogie. Just get to the joke. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Well, I work in a, a, a different field as you guys know I am a supervisor and I just wanted to say I've, I've seen videos of this incident listen to radio traffic and uh, I just want to tell Mallory I I'm not familiar with all the technical details of your job um, I don't do the job that you all three of you do and have done um, but uh, I can see very little uh, criticism of that event I think everybody did a amazing job in, in light of what they dealt with. And uh, I just want to thank all you guys for um, the service that you are doing and have done uh, for your communities. If, if anybody did Carly alluded to possibly getting written up for uh, trying to do the right thing, I hope um, that wasn't the case in this instance. And if it was, you know, I'm familiar with uh, chaotic situations and you just have to do the right thing. And if you have to take the right up, fuck them.
1: That's a very, very brash way of putting it. I mean, I mean, particularly in a case like this where Mallory's trying to save lives. I mean, yeah, you know, now if there's any question about how, you know, other agencies got involved or, you know, the use of the personal cell phone, depending on how deeply you use it, like the way that I used it, it was I'm not recommending that to anybody. Like, you know, if that went to court or something like now my cell phone is discoverable, everything that's on (laughs) part of that case, it's a bad thing. But what did I have? I had a guy with a gun to his head and we need him to hear from his wife right now that he should put the gun down and, and come away from that situation. So, you know, I'm never encouraging anyone to break policy. The policy is there to protect you from lawsuits. It's it protect you and your personal property from being discovered in some kind of lawsuit or criminal case even. Uh, but so often that, you know, and Micah, you know, this too, we're put in impossible situations where we have to be human beings. And, you know, unfortunately we have, we choose to take those risks sometimes for other people. And, uh, I don't know. I don't I don't really want to editorialize about how it, if it's the right thing to do to, to risk yourself or your property or your position at your job. But sometimes we just are in those situations because the policy doesn't cover everything. True.
0: Mallory, I want to turn the floor over to you. I mean, do you have any last thoughts or do you have any uh, like um, suggestions or, uh, you know, what maybe could have been better or do you have anything to to kind of close it out with?
3: Um, My biggest thing is I'm a huge proponent for training. I know we were talking earlier about how I'm kind of fed up with it right now. But my biggest thing is you train on something is how you're going to work it. So luckily we had the training, so we handled it pretty well, even though we were getting an influx of calls. But training is the biggest thing. You can't prepare enough for it.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah uh, John knows the uh, Boy Scout motto is what, be prepared. Uh, there is a, a fellow named Andrew in the, uh, he was a prior guest on our show, and he wants you to talk about how much you miss him.
3: Oh, I, I don't.
0: <laughs> right. I'm just but
3: still the- over here shimmering while he's is uh, in police academy.
0: <laughs> right. The stars. All right, good. Uh, Very good. I appreciate all of your insight, Uh, Mallory. John, do we have uh,
1: voicemails? We could get to that. I want to say that, first of all, I miss Andrew. Even even I miss him. I miss uh, Andrew, sure. This is a good episode. That was a a great episode, too, and I have to wonder how his training is going, if he's putting to use any of the skills that I taught him. He's killing it. I I check on him every
0: once in a while. He's he's killing it. He lost uh, in a very heated and debated uh, mustache. Uh, He's mustachioed. And he came in third place. He he lost on a technicality. Second place, uh, and I told him it's just not acceptable in in this profession to be second place. But uh, he's recovering. Uh, we'll see what happens. But uh, he came in third place in the mustache contest. So
1: is he is he recovering from eating that Christmas ornament? That was a gentleman's bet, and I expected him to follow through with that. So uh, Mallory, he he failed uh, several police questions, and, and maybe you saw that he was to against as well okay i'll play some voicemails hold on let me get it uh keyed up there drew hold on one second keep talking do some flapjack stuff do you want me to do my 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 killer ad read um i don't know (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so things are a little bit different around here we've got different uh ads to read uh so this is a perfect opportunity now while i'm trying to do two things at once downloading a file from my Google Drive, but I guess I wanted to talk about Stan's Furniture Liquidators of Ankeny, Iowa. If you are looking for used hotel furniture to furnish your dilapidated house, or if you know someone who's going to the University of Iowa, you can go down to Stan's Furniture Liquidators, and you could go down there and get a great deal. They don't have a website, so you will just have to just tell them uh, that the comm center with Drew Breezy is uh, the ones who sent you.
0: Actually, uh, don't, don't use... The words promo code in their presence because it's don't, a trigger. For them. If you
1: say promo code, they're not even going to understand that they don't. Have yeah, it's credit. a
0: trigger for them, and and they are heavy into wicker. And uh, by the way, that that so you'll know that's uh, Randy the cops. Um, that's where he got all of all of his furniture.
1: Anyway, if if you're okay with having some filthy furniture, I'm just go down myself. there and one more time stands. Wonderful <laughs> discount for an crispy. Yeah, crispy. I still want to play these, though. So hold on. Please bear with me. All right. I think I've got it all, all ready to go. OK, so we've got Brittany here.
2: I'm leaving a voicemail for John because he wanted me to call in and I was like, no, I don't want to call in the game show. But anyway, next time you ask me to call, I'm going to just I'm going to record these just for you, John, because that's how I show my love. OK, and that's how I show that I care and my affection just feel bad for my poor husband but i digress you guys did great and i hope to see more game shows because they're so much fun anyway good night guys
1: thank you for that rambling incoherent thanks to us that was totally not worth me like making up a furniture ad uh ad read for that (laughs) i have one more to play though uh, this one also may not be worth it. But hey, you know, we're playing the voicemails. We technically have to do them. Also, I'm using my personal cell phone, and I'm overcoming uh, difficulties in the heat of the moment. So uh, this is all just a meta commentary on what my job is like as a 911 dispatcher. Sure. Let's play the last one. This one will definitely be worth it, I'm sure. Okay. Good morning, comrades. So, from North Russia. John, you still haven't called us back about your car's six hundred warranty,
2: So we'd like to tell you a joke to help we get you to call back. Ten
1: plus ten equals eleven plus eleven. I'm gonna tell you that joke didn't translate, Sergey. I don't know what ten <laughs> plus ten equals eleven plus eleven. I guess I'll come down and uh, take care of my car's extended warranty just so that we can stop future voicemails. I, I like think if, I think if you
0: write that out in Cyrillic, it's actually pretty funny. But I, I don't oh. know. Yeah, I, I don't. I, I I would have to use Google Translate for that one
1: anyone irritated in the last few minutes can please send complaints to drew.breezy at gmail.com he's the person you no it's you one out.
0: more drew breezy please please send me an email i'm, I'm lonely at, at times uh, okay where,
1: where, where can they find us though
0: all right well that, that's a, i'm glad that you said that uh mallory if you'll stick around for one second i want to take care of a little a little business here and then we want to give you a round of applause uh you can find us on youtube at uh it's it's www.youtube.com slash the center at the com center i think it is uh the the best place to find us you know we've got quite a following on a facebook group known as the com center however we started a facebook page known as the com center uh and it just makes it easier for uh cross posting and stuff like that so if you go to at the underscore com underscore center on Instagram, you'll find very similar stuff that uh, is on the Facebook page, the com center. Make sure you do
1: all three so that you're constantly getting notifications about the yes, exact same the thing, exact thing that we same post. Same you get thing, right. three notifications. So go it, go do all three.
0: You can literally see my uh, frustration as uh, sometimes they post to all three, sometimes one posts to the other two. Uh, and uh, so you can you can just judge by the uh, the post whether I'm balled up in, a, in, in tears. Uh, OK, and then so we have our own YouTube channel. And then if you go to Apple or Spotify, Apple Podcasts or Spotify and you search the comm center, you'll see the uh, very famed blue and yellow logo of uh, of myself, uh, you know, very buff looking caricature of me and then john smoking some type of uh, it's in the upper right hand corner if you if you're watching um that's our podcast so if you if you want to download it as a podcast that's great i mean spotify you know like I, I let me just let me heart on my sleeve here uh we have jumped so far in the last month uh, I am just so pleased at everybody's response. I'm, I'm pleased at how the word is spreading to the dispatcher community because that's what I'm looking for. And uh, it's not just for dispatchers. It's for cops. It's for firefighter paramedics. It's for your Aunt Sally. It's for, for civilians that just want a peek behind the curtain of what goes on. Uh, and, you know, like, where else are you going to get Mallory
1: Explaining
0: Nowhere. to you what happens in a in a communication center, uh, she's about to find shooter. out this
1: was an exclusive deal that she's never allowed to appear to anyone else. She's uh, gonna get.
0: <laughs> she has signed all of our non-disclosures. and uh, so um, we don't do contracts around here, Drew. This this really does, this really does. It's on the spreadsheet. This really does go a long way when you spread it word of mouth. That's all we're looking for. I mean, give us a little love. We love you. And we're not really, uh, um, we're not really asking for money yet. Uh, who knows what's going to happen in the future? We we do have that sponsor, uh, the
1: the the furniture place in. That, that reminds it? me. By the way, the first forty six original episodes of Com Center, I did go ahead and uh, I wrote those to some blank VHS tapes that I still had, so you could you could buy the whole first season on VHS. You could do that today. <laughs> yes, they were in
0: uh, SLP, not EP. Uh, what I'm doing right now is slowly rolling out all of our old episodes i'm editing them up and uh you know just kind of announcing what they are and, and kind of editing some of the stuff out because of course we had a lot of technical difficulties at the beginning uh so only, if only ep- then no not now <laughs> if there's an, right not now if there's an episode that you're looking for in particular please just let me know and then i'll get it i'll, I'll get I'll it, record it the VCR. And
1: we'll, we'll get it sent out to you a uh, certified mail not a problem
0: we certainly have the goal of, uh, of January. Uh, it's a new year. It's a new us. So stick with us all through the, I, I, I plan on, uh, we're probably going to, we may change up the day we're doing things. We may change up, uh, whether we do it live or not. Uh, we'll still be in the chats live, but we may, maybe we just do it live once a month. We're, we're kicking a lot of things around and we're always open to suggestions, uh, because you are the people we serve. So, uh, that's, uh, Whatever the people we serve want, that's
1: probably what we're going to consider. Especially if John money, makes the ultimate decision. If you do want to pay us something, you know, now now that now that Stan is our only sponsor, like if you do just want to <laughs> write us checks, that would be good. Uh, share the show, follow, uh, give us a five star rating and review. That propels us up in the charts. We do want to succeed. We're on our own. We're starting from scratch. If you want more comm center, if you don't want me to be doing this for free. In the style of say slavery then go ahead and uh, make sure you share it let help us grow help us get sponsors let us keep going we appreciate everyone's help we know that this is a grassroots thing we know that we have people here who are here just because they love us for example christy in the chats is my biological sister and if she didn't show up and ask some questions i was going to be furious at her so that is she's how she's a shrimpy questions. wimp she is all right uh mallory stick around now for the show uh john so we- you stick around as well, Drew,
0: hey, Drew. you stick around. Hey, listen. If if any of you know of a sponsor that that wants to get in front of a couple thousand people every uh, every episode every week,
1: uh, tell me. Hit me up. You know. Huh? Yeah. You know. We're a show. We 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 you know we take we take advertisers. All right. <laughs> uh, on behalf of everyone here, we're we're sorry for the last for seven out of the last ten minutes. All right. We will talk to you later. <laughs> Uh, Adios and goodbye. Thousand episodes. Thousand episodes of concert.